The year is 1986. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club, where we go through the best and most important issues of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, the comic book journeyman, and today I am joined by Dave, who, he saved me from Stiltman one time, and now he just thinks he deserves smooches all the time, and frankly, Dave, it's it's really getting, it's really getting old. I gotta say, one thing, I didn't know the smooches were... I didn't know I had to save you from Stiltman to get smooches. Okay, so I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, second thing, I think saving someone from Stiltman, it's almost like it's almost like it should be the opposite, you know? Like, like, yep. like it's a crime to not let Stiltman get you, you know? Wouldn't it be mm. better if he had picked you up in the, the loving embrace and carried you to heights you'd never seen before? Being being kidnapped by Stiltman is the only good form of Stockholm syndrome. Is that what you're saying? It's it's Stiltman syndrome. Yeah. Like how could you not <laughs> how, how could you not just love that? I would love to be carried away on some Stiltman stilts. Uh, speaking of Stiltman, he debuts in Daredevil Comics. We've seen him and enjoyed him in Daredevil Comics. We're gonna be mm-hmm. talking about a lot of nineteen eighty six Daredevil comics. Zach, these are some special, special Mm-hmm. Daredevil comics, Marvel comics mm-hmm. uh, in general, I think. So today we're talking mm-hmm. about the graphic novel Daredevil Love and War. It's Marvel graphic novel number 24. Then we're going to talk Daredevil number 227 to 233, now uh, christened the Born Again Saga by mm-hmm. Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli. And then we're going to talk some Captain America issues because it's really hard fitting uh, <laughs> fitting all these comics that we're reading into, you know, thematic things. Like, I actually wanted, I initially had Electra Assassin, another Frank Miller written yeah. thing in this group, but it seemed too big to include alongside everything else that we're discover, or discussing because there are three massive Frank Miller Daredevil universe projects in Marvel Comics in 1986. And of course, we have to talk about all of them because yeah, I'm glad, uh, it's I'm glad a special we spread time. it out because I, I think I, I want to give these these a little bit of breathing room for our discussions because I think they they deserve it, frankly. Yeah, definitely. So the last time we saw Frank Miller, uh, the writer and, and artist, frequently on uh, was on Daredevil in the early-ish '80s, right? Um, we saw him on I think it's issues like 168 through 191. He plays uh, a role. Definitely. Like, that is the early run. And you and I both love those comics. I think, I, I don't know that it's unquestionably your favorite, but it, it definitely, like, uh, your top three, I think, of stuff it's, that we've read. If, Same for me. If, if I lump it in with the rest of Daredevil, like Miller's Daredevil, if I kind of just include it as part of his entire Daredevil work, then it just, like, firmly cements. Are you talking about Frank the stuff Miller's- we read right now? No, no. I mean, yeah, I guess. I guess. I'm saying before we even talk 86, like the stuff we already did. Oh, yes. The stuff we already covered. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Born Again, or not Born Again. Frank Miller's Daredevil is, yeah, pretty, pretty, it's number one for me, I think. I think it's safe to say. Yeah. It's quite good. It's quite good. And uh, Frank Miller, you may have heard of the guy. Uh, Again, like he's that, there are two names in, like, you know, kind of superhero comics, but kind of American comics in general um, that Mm -hmm. come to define 
this wave of of sort of postmodernism, this wave of you know the medium as it all of a sudden sort of rapidly maturing, which is obviously a thing that can be used as pejorative. The way the lessons that have been learned, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole roadmap that we talk about now in 2020, but it's Alan Moore and Frank Miller, right? And Frank Miller in '86 this year, he not only does all this Daredevil work, but dude's got uh, a little book called Batman: The Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, four issue maxi from dc i don't know the exact chronology here like when daredevil comes out versus when the batman stuff comes out but then in 87 he's got batman year one again with david maz kelly who we're going to talk about him born again like so as far as superhero creative peaks go like it's it's just it kind of unprecedented in terms of stuff we've talked about in the my marvelous year club like a creator not only doing awesome marvel work but sort of setting what comics will be, you know, in many ways, setting what the genre, at least what superhero genre will be with his Batman work over at the the competitor. Like yeah, who is mean, a who's who, a writer who's even close to touching that that we've in, that we've in talked the about. like big two superhero world? No one in any really. world like the, of of the my marvelous year verse. You know, oh yeah, no, I mean, no, but I'm saying like there there are other people doing like interesting, nuanced adult comic book work at this time. But who huh? is bringing <laughs> who? What do you mean? It's a joke because we read a lot of superhero comics. Oh right, yeah, just, uh, just a little and, joke among superhero friends. Yeah, very very little. Um, yeah. yeah, just but like who else is doing this in like DC and Marvel? And like you said, like I think really setting the groundwork for you can do these superhero graphic novels and they can be genuinely like adult uncompromised commercially uncompromised adult work yeah right I yeah think that don't really need to fit into canon <laughs> i think that's a big part of this too um with uh, some some do here some Love don't certainly yeah um i mean born Love again is, is set right. within that's the interesting thing about batman year one too is batman year one sounds like it should be a standalone graphic novel it is batman issues <laughs> like it's like you know, whatever 400 comics. something to right yeah. exactly yeah i was always surprised when i found that out it's just four random it's four batman issues, of, issues of batman yeah. or detective or whatever it is i don't i don't yeah. know off the top of my head um so anyway let's get into so Obviously, we're talking about Creators at the Peak. Speaking of Creators at the Peak, we got Frankie here teaming up with Bill Stankiewicz. He's art illustrating on Daredevil, Love, and War. And then again, David Mazzucchelli, who, uh, you know, would go on to do Year One with him and is just an incredible, incredible cartoonist creator uh, in his own right as well. So it's Miller writing, but now teaming Mm -hmm. with illustrators. Because that's the thing on his run is Klaus Janssen actually does pencil and ink. He inks a lot of it, but he pencils and inks a few issues as well. Um, So it's not like, you know, dude's never collaborated before, but a lot of that is his own artistic style. Which yeah. certainly is interesting and, and kinetic I mean, you, and has you merits. You kind of can't tell when Klaus steps in. Like it's tough to tell. Like they, he really like. I, I think Frank must have still been working closely with him. Yeah. Um, well, and he'd been inking on, him for so long art. too. You know, you, you right, have exactly. to like sort of absorb some of the style. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like oh, it's this totally new thing. Whereas Sinkevich obviously is like you know it when you see it. <laughs> he's yep. got yeah, yeah. he's got a big commanding style on love and war and the Mazzucchelli is just like is kind of a different kind of of master of storytelling so it's uh it's fascinating stuff i think the question that's interesting to me as we talk about these daredevil comics is is it as good as its reputation and also is it actually better than the original daredevil run uh, particularly you know kind of the electra saga so when we look at what i think is like issues and I'm probably mixing things here, but like one set late 170s through 191, you know, kind of that original Electro Saga. Because I will say up front, Born Again is definitely more, uh, it is more 
put together in terms of its construction. There's a lot more thought and deeper layers to it. On an enjoyment level, I have a lot more fun with the original Miller run. Um, not, not literally just more fun, but also like that book speaks for me in a way that these don't because it's very funny a lot of times. There's an energy to it. There's a Marvel Universe energy to it that these almost don't have because like you said up front, they're kind of, they can be standalone. You can just pick the, you can just hand these somebody say, hey, you want to see if you like comics? Read these, you know? I, I think also, like, I do want to differentiate in a big way Love and War and Born Again. Like, I wouldn't naturally pair these together because Love and War feels like it exists totally on its own thing, as its own thing, where Born Again feels like part of the Daredevil story. Yeah, like, in retrospect, having reread them now, I, Love and War pairs so much uh, more nicely with Electra Assassin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because one, I mean, it's Sinkevich on both. It's yeah, the same creative yeah. teams, right? It's Miller and Sinkevich on both. Um, but two, like they are experimental narrative structures where, like, the story isn't the way Frank is writing the story isn't like here's what's happening. It's like, hey, here's a chaotic voice inside someone's head, and you're trying to piece puzzles together. Um, mm-hmm. so they they are definitely more akin, I think, than Born Again. Yeah. Uh, but but the fact that all these come out, you know, kind of in a similar wave is pretty wild and i mean again to your point about the reasons these stand out like marvel comics don't look or do things like this like in the line practically anywhere else or very often (laughs) for that matter like that is that's why they're so interesting so yeah so my my point up front though was more like i actually think i like that initial run more i don't know that it's objectively better in fact i'm pretty confident it's not but i think i i will continue i I think that comes down to those more I think that comes down to the art for me. Well, right, let's talk about Born Again, because I don't want to, like, mix up the two, because Love and War feels, like, so singular. I think Love and War might be the best thing I think we've ever read. Oh, so you like that number. the most. Oh, yeah. Love and War is, like, maybe the best single thing we've read in the club for me, which <laughs> is funny, because some people really hated it <laughs> in the Slack, really hate this. It um, is, um, it's a more, it's a little, it's more challenging, obviously, the way it's told, sure. yeah. but it's also, I think, like, I, I remember thinking the first time I read it, like, oh, that was interesting, but what actually happened? So so we'll get to that. I think that's yeah. that's a potential okay, problem. So I, th- I think that Miller's, um, Miller not right drawing his own work, I think Sienkiewicz elevates his writing, mm-hmm. and I think David Mazzucchelli, it loses a little something. And I, that does not oh. say David Mazzucchelli is You're Mazzucchelli him. Way. No, You're I think... You're <laughs> him. It's pretty good. Um, no, I, I think Mazzucchelli's very good, right? But, like, I just think Miller's, you know, Miller draws his own work he's, a little better. Mazzucchelli is astonishingly good. No, like, he's, he's very good. I, like I agree. off the charts. I agree, but, like, I have called Frank Miller's original work on Daredevil, like, the best visual storytelling we've read in the club, and I don't think Mazzucchelli You love is it. You love it, for sure. There, I, right. I do like Miller's styling as well, so that it, I... I'm yeah. not going to no, say no, it, no that, you're wrong. Yeah, I, there, there's no shade against Mazzucchelli's art. I don't really have any criticisms. I just think that that, like, I miss Frank Miller's Yeah, you have a art. preference. I, yeah. I can hear that. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, let's let's talk about Born Again, and then we can let's go it. To, to Love and War. Um, so, Born Again, the, the general construction here is that um, Karen Page has, and I don't know how much we've seen this before, Karen Page has been... Um, <laughs> not at all, well, I, I think is the answer. Okay, we, we saw that she went to Hollywood with, with those Stiltman issues, right? It was like Stiltman without That's true. stilts fighting. That's true. But for, yet again, another reason to sing the praises of Stiltman is but for me forcing that issue upon you, we would not have yep. known in the My Marvel Year Club that Karen Page was in Hollywood. 
So <laughs> it helped for continuity as well. So um, while in Hollywood, she like became addicted to heroin, became like, like a porn actress in Mexico, right? They're like really selling her as like very down on her luck, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, That's, it's the classic Hollywood story, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean like a very, you know. Yeah, I guess. It starts out with... <laughs> no, I don't think it is. You know, what it's also doing, though, is this is the big, like, hey, comics, they're not for kids mm-hmm. attitude thing where it's saying, hey, we're going to take a Silver Age love interest mm-hmm. and we're going to say, what would have actually happened? What would happen in the real world? You know? Sure. Right? And I don't think Born Again is horrible about this. I no, don't. I, th- there are other comics that I think treat Karen Page much worse in ways that make me feel gross about it. You know, because it's just like, if you read it on its face, you can be like, oh, yeah, it's gross. You know, they're like just torturing the women and making them into, you know, like strung out drug addict porn stars, right? Like, that's gross. I think Frank Miller, like, cares enough about Karen Page on the page here hmm. to, like, that it doesn't feel like just kind of a throwaway detail to like move the plot the plot forward, right? Like I think it's not a, a throwaway. I, I don't think and, because and the, there are... the book does it does focus then on like there's a redemption arc here for Karen Page as well as Matt yeah. Murdock, right? Yeah. So that character does get. I don't know that she really gets a whole lot of agency, but there is at least an interest in redemption for her. Um, but I do think up front we have to call out like that. The framing device is definitely the sort of thing that I look at and think like I don't know. There's I don't know that it's awful on its face but it's definitely from an era like if somebody did this now in the wake of born again 25 years later it because it's tired and duplicative and Uh because it's doing that to you know the the female character it would be like this is this is uninventive and interesting this this does continue later right like karen page continues as someone who you know is a heroin addict right like maybe well it doesn't go away i mean you don't right exactly and and i I know for a fact other writers take this and do it in a much more like, you know, it, it's more about Daredevil and his reaction to it than uh, about her experience. So, yeah. Okay. I don't know. So, I, so I, that's did, I didn't get the feel like I was watch, reading like torture porn of Karen Page here. I, I don't either. So, I don't either. Yeah. I will agree. Um, so right at the beginning, she sells the identity of Daredevil. She sells Matt Murdock's identity for some drugs. Uh, and then you see the sequence where it is like passed along and like sold <laughs> continually until it gets in the hands of kingpin and then we jump forward six months where the kingpin has been plotting and you know like he did not move on this information immediately and he decides he's going to destroy the dare destroy the daredevil (laughs) this is like uh uh who's it who calls him the batman um what am i thinking of you know what i'm talking about isn't isn't there some villain who always calls him the batman isn't that a joke i I mean that's the name of the upcoming movie yeah, right. The Batman. What am I thinking? Okay. I have no idea. Man. Um, yeah, he's he decides like he's going to methodically destroy Matt Murdock, like mentally, right? Like kind of break down his entire life. I'm gonna break Daredevil. Just, yeah. He's not just going to assassinate him, right? And like sneak up behind him and shoot Are him. Are you talking about Bane to, like... saying break the bat? No, I don't know. I feel saying? like there's some I thought there was some like meme or something about Batman where like there's some villain who always calls him the Batman. I'm not a meme guy. Yeah, yeah, okay. I like to live in the real world. Yeah. Oh, Real is, maybe I'm, I don't know. Razo Ghoul, doesn't he always call him detective? Is that a thing? Yeah, that's totally different. <laughs> yeah, it is. I feel like it goes hand in hand with that. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's move on. Okay. Um. So, like, Matt Murdock, what is it? Uh, to, to be... To give myself some grace on recapping this, we uh, we actually had to like not record this uh, on our planned date. So I read this two weeks ago um, when I usually read them in the 24 hours beforehand. Anyway, yeah, like, things, I'm, I'm just break. happy that you have a functioning uh, modern 
equipment yet again. Uh, let's, oh yeah, let's that's just right. Say it My, was. Uh, it's been there a was wild a, couple. Weeks. It was an Oz for a bit, right? Yeah, yeah and exactly, uh, yeah. and it's back Telephone and it's functioning. Down. Yeah, right. So the IRS is like seizing all of his money. Unlike has nothing. Well, let's to do let's with talk anything. a little bit here about the kingpins plan essentially so he gets he gets the identity yeah. from karen page through you know through a game of telephone which is uh which is a pretty interesting idea right we've talked about sort of the goofiness of secret identities in the marvel universe but definitely i think daredevils and i think spider-man's are probably the two that stay interesting and have stayed interesting yes. for a long yep. time they they do tend to matter um more then, then, you know, like Tony Stark's matters not at all, especially in the context of him being with the Avengers. Um, but he keeps it all the same. So it's doing some interesting things with secret identity, which, again, is this thing that is just inherent to, you know, Marvel Comics universe. And it's also the Kingpin saying, like, okay, now that I officially know who he is, I don't—he's not even that much of a threat to me, but I want to bring him the lowest any man can possibly be brought, and then I'm going to kill him. And it's just like this— Again, like you said, like Machiavelli. He, he even muses about how he's going to not kill him, but make him work for him. <laughs> yeah, like, right. He's going to, you know, like break him so bad that he's just going to like need to work for the kingpin just to get by. Like as a as a bullseye style, you know, work, like gun for hire Enforcer, kind of yeah. thing. Um, that's that's his plan here is to turn Matt Murdock into that. Uh, so the way he does it, like you were just getting into, is super piece by piece. And it all sort of coalesces into like basically one day Matt realizing all his assets are frozen by the IRS, right? He's being evicted. He's, yep. he's being evicted. Like his power is being cut off. Um, okay. He's being disbarred from practicing law yeah, or something a, a to cop that extent. is testifying that he like perjured, uh, he, he bribed a witness to perjure themselves. Yeah. So it's, it's just that it's that everything possible that could go wrong in and, your and actual also, Matt Murdock Coincidentally, life. his girlfriend dumps him, which has nothing to do with the kingpin, but it's just... <laughs> That's more like, let's just get her out yeah. of here. She's not part of this story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Sure. Um, so yeah, so he's losing, like, Matt as a... Before you take put on Daredevil, Matt, what does he have? He has... He's a lawyer. He's successful. He has money. You take all that away, right? So kingpin takes all that away, bribing people, little things here and there. Makes it look easy, right? And then uh, Daredevil being, you know, Daredevil puts on the costume which is predictable. So he's playing right into Kingpin's hand here because Kingpin knows, knowing who he is, like, okay, if I do all this, what's he going to do? He's going to put on the costume and he's going to come punch some people. And that's exactly what he does. And he bum rushes Kingpin's office eventually, right? Once he gets some answers. Mm -hmm. And Kingpin whoops the guy, whoops him, right? Yeah. And we've seen Matt, like, I, we've seen them hold their own, I think, in the past. I think Miller has a very strong tendency to show Kingpin winning these fights. Mm -hmm. um, at least yep. at the front, which I kind of like. I like the idea that not only is he this immovable object in like New York City politics or just in like crime in the world, yeah. Um, sure. but he's also like he is too strong for Daredevil, you know, as as like unrelenting as Daredevil can be. Right, and I think um, I I mean at this point though, it's also just not the strength of Kingpin. It is that Matt like over the course of a few issues really deteriorates in a very believable way like yeah. he does a great job of like just slowly like it seems like a very believable arc of matt murdoch just like becoming i mean what's interesting is he lets matt turn into a bad guy because of this right like he gets really vicious and really violent with some of the criminals he's trying to like you know get some information out of and it yeah it get. i mean it's uncomfortable right like it's not a guy you're rooting for and you don't view this as some kind of like just vendetta to get back at the kingpin like he is you know he's breaking arms and he's you know like the, oh god i wish i remembered exactly what it was but there's a shot of him i think in the bar and he just like he's in there screaming 
at, you know, all these people, like, who's going to give me information or something? And, it, like, he just looks like a, a villain, right? Like, he is framed as a villain here, and he's just yeah. kind of completely lost his way, and you totally, totally buy it. Um, I think it, this is a little bit of, you know, Monday, mor- Monday morning quarterbacking on here, which I try not to do too much. I'm a little bummed that we know right from the beginning that Kingpin is orchestrating all of this. Hmm. You know, like, I... I, I can't help but think it would have been a little more effective if we just watched some of this unfurl and then we found out that this was a big kingpin plan because like you I think kind of yeah I don't, I don't know, know that like, you can possibly do that because if if you still frame it that Karen sells the identity and then all these things happen I guess um, you just kind of know it's Frank like, Miller and, having established kingpin as the daredevil villain the, yeah. the entire time you'd be waiting for Hey, I bet I bet this the is drop. the drop. Yeah, sure. you know, okay. I, I don't yeah, think I guess that that's surprise would actually be effective. That's why my 1980s run on Daredevil never took off, and Frank Miller did. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and you did do a limited print run. Uh, yeah. It was all Cran. It was a few years after this came out, I think. Yeah, two um, words, it, Daredevil. Right, two um, two words. And his, <laughs> his costume. Devil. I mean, his costume did look identical, but it was orange. It was kind of a he was yeah, orange. Kingpin burnt, wore burnt only bumper. purple suits, which you know, pretty good look. Pretty good look yeah. on the guy. It it is wild though that you were able to put out a limited print run at the the wee age of approximately uh, two. And Negative a half. one. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was that was pretty good. Uh, yeah. So so yeah. So Kingpin's dismantling him, like you said. He's breaking him. He's turning it. He's making him a person Matt doesn't want to be. But it's like. He's he's lost everything. You know, one weird detail here, kind of like you said, it's it's superfluous, but it adds into it is his girlfriend uh, breaks up with him, but then starts dating Foggy, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like immediately. immediately. Yeah. So he starts he starts viewing everyone's out to get him, right? Mm-hmm. Before he like before he officially finds out it's Kingpin, um, it's like Foggy's turned on me. Everyone's turned think, on me. You know, it's just I think me that against is the world. So- key and so interesting of a thing to add to daredevil is that like matt murdoch has the possibility of becoming a little detached from reality right like yeah i think that is a really really interesting thread to pull because it just adds to this like level of danger with him and it's like at his worst when he you know when he is really down he can become dangerous and kind of the the wrong side of the a vigilante in this world right like the the superhero that people actually worry about right where he's just like causing real danger to people who don't deserve it and real harm to them yeah because like he you know i mean it's it's introducing the idea of like actual mental illness here right um and it doesn't say that too explicitly it doesn't get into any like real specifics about it but it does you know show that matt murdoch can you know he he, i don't know he's not like captain america who's always just like so self-assured and that he's doing the right thing right like matt murdoch kind of loses loses the plot a little bit Um, that's an interesting call out because i do think that is one of the things that makes daredevil so kind of beloved you know i think yeah. like a lot of times and I've, I've said this for a long time is if you just call out who's the character in marvel who has the best just like creator visions and kind of runs like throughout mm-hmm. their history you know if you just add them all up and daredevil i mean i think he probably wins by a landslide honestly Which is weird because it's like i i don't know why i think i have to just change my viewpoint on this because i'm always just like yeah i don't know daredevil's like not one of my favorite heroes he's not like one of my big guys but it's just like yeah there's many <laughs> runs of daredevil that i adore more than anything yeah. else well and it, he doesn't weird. even have to be your favorite character that's kind of the point though is like there's yeah, a lot more you sure. can do with his humanity and with basically just like yeah there's a lot of things in life that mess you up and matt feels them and we see him feel them and we see the reaction and and the actual impact in a way that like Spider-Man's kind of too happy. He's guilt-ridden, <laughs> you know, but he can't yeah. actually go this dark 
which and you know people, is a thing that gets just, overused. And people never stop complaining when he does go that dark. Well, it's like, just uh, it's a bad look. Like like it's not what the character's <laughs> built. It's not what the character is built to be. And yeah, Daredevil has yeah. he has non quote unquote dark stories absolutely that are fantastic. You can find the light. Daredevil can be literally in the sun. Right. It's not. Sure. That's yeah. not quite it. It's more just like the actual. Um, yeah, like you're saying, sort of the mental health ramifications of everything that happens in, in his life and around him, you're able to feel them a little more. Which is more. just, like, so much more interesting because everybody has that, right? Like, yeah. people just have, there are tough times in your life and sometimes you deal with them badly and you become a worse person until you, like, rise above it, right? Uh, yeah. Well, and the problems yeah. he's dealing with here, like, <laughs> when you are take them in real, isolation, right? like, they're very real. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you know, your electricity is going to be turned off. You can't pay the rent. Um, yeah. You know, you're you're having problems at work. <laughs> you know, the, the comic book <laughs> part of it is it all gets compiled as an orchestrated scheme by the kingpin. But the connective part of it is like, man, isn't the, the scary idea of of being forced into homelessness um that that can connect you know like that's not sure. that's not hard to imagine uh yeah. depending on what's going on so and yeah, being so like unfairly you know besmirched at work all right feeling so, like everyone's um, out to get you yeah for sure so the there's a there's a cop who testifies against matt murdoch gets him disbarred ben Urich gets on the case starts researching it and again ben Urich just has the worst luck of like having witness like he's in the middle of you know talking to a witness and uh and they get killed like right in front of him yeah. um because uh who is it um he's talking to the cop and he's trying to get some um the cop is like test or talking to him about how you know he was like lying for the kingpin and god this is such a good kingpin detail the the enforcer that they send is just this like large female nurse this you know big bruiser of a woman who comes into the room breaks all of Uruk's fingers and uh and then just like beats this man half to death and and pointedly because you know he's a typist you know it's like we're going to break the thing that you would use here and and the other piece with ben being on the case is he knows daredevil's matt murdoch he learns that during the earlier miller run so he's kind of putting some pieces together here saying like okay i think there's a little more to this story um he can't tell anyone why though because he has sort of internally vowed ethically that he's not going to reveal matt um matt as daredevil right but he's kind of seeing some of the writing on the wall so yeah like these these ideas these scenes of the kingpins like you're saying he has assets everywhere he has people mm-hmm. working for him everywhere. Even the cop who's on, you know, in the hospital saying like, yeah, he was going to help my kid. Um, but now I'm going to tell you the truth because I feel guilty or whatever. Um, it's like he's got he's got people everywhere. Right. And it's just that's what makes the kingpin. He's rarely thought of as scary, I think. But it it's what makes him so effective is just this idea of like he is scheming and planning everything just with well-placed bribes. You know, he's just got yep. somebody everywhere and whatever system it's, it's kind of that thing we're dealing with yeah. in 2020 and for the last four years where it's like institutions, what can you trust? What institution, the way you thought it was supposed to work, does it actually work that way? The Kingpin puts, he takes the, the foundations out of all that by saying like, I own this institution for my own benefit. You don't get to you don't get to experience it the way you think it's supposed. I mean, to you work. can't you can't trust nurse like all nurses are bastards. You can't even trust <laughs> the nurses anymore. <laughs> uh, that is a gosh. That is such a popular stance in the midst of a pandemic to yeah, really come yeah. out as anti-nurse. <laughs> it's just yeah, I sorry, see those no. I see those ads everywhere. <laughs> um. Yeah. So let's see. This, this wraps up with um kingpin. Kingpin hires some guy who's like one of his assassins who they I, I don't know they keep building well hang up on hang on like... before you before you get to the assassin oh, we okay. skipped over a oh, big the... detail here which yes, is that yes. Matt is he is everything's gone wrong 
He is crumbling. He is deteriorating, like you're saying. And he's coming back to his apartment, which is, you know, all the power shut out and he's about to be evicted and all that. But then as he's getting there, the whole building explodes. And there's some awesome, awesome caption writing here by Miller. Um, I'm just going to read it. There's nothing left. So you know. So that's why. I never would have connected it to you. Nothing about it said gangster until this. It was a nice piece of work, Kingpin. You shouldn't have signed it. End of the issue. Next issue, he knows it's the Kingpin. We know there's going to be a comeback, even though it takes a little while. Uh, Man, that is so, so good. Awesome. I mean, all, like one of the all-time Marvel. Like, I mean, he doesn't come right back. This is the beginning of oh, him, not at all. Like, not at all. Completely becoming unhinged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this happens. Matt goes back to his father's gym, which I think is abandoned. Right? Is that correct? Tell, tell me more about the gym. What, what were your thoughts well, on the gym? He, he gets found by a nurse. There's this nun, Maggie, who <laughs> because like, he collapses. Matt Matt's collapsing right, yeah. a lot. Um, well, I think like, it's he, actually. I mean, he's homeless and he's just like not. I don't know. He's not taking care of himself whatsoever right he's just running around town beating up random criminals and like you know like he's just passing out everywhere well and this Um, is i think this is after he's been stabbed by a santa if i'm not mistaken so essentially yeah there are it's actually (laughs) this is where it actually gets really complex and interesting is matt i'm pretty sure collapses or really just sort of wipes out um within these early issues i think three times specifically like three times Mm -hmm. notably and this is where we start to get into the fact that there is so much religious um, Christian specifically, and, and Matt is Catholic, and that's going to come up in a big way here. Um, but Christian, like, what do you call like it? Uh, themes laid over this story. You know, him falling three times, that's that's Jesus stumbling three times, carrying the cross, right? And every issue opens with a splash page of the first three, I think, are Matt curled up. In mm-hmm. first, it's in his bed. Then it's, you know, in a, a rented out flats or, or a, you know, where it's clearly like a, a less privileged place. And then it's like literally in the garbage on the street. You know, and then it progresses to him like kind of looking like he's on the cross in a yep. hospital bed now with this nun who finds him, who we're going to learn more about. And then the final one is him standing, right? It's, it's Jesus risen. Um, so it's like Miller and Mazzucchelli are doing symbolism and, and yep. weaving in it. All, each issue title is based on Christian-like themes. Um, it's Purgatory, it's Apocalypse, I mean, it's Born Again, born right? Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's not just—I I think the thing, though, is it's not just like little nods here and there. It is deeply woven into the fabric of this story, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend no creator has ever used symbolism before in Marvel, but how many stories have we read where, you know, even trying the level that Miller and Mazzucchelli are in these six issues? You know, it's like that's—it's the ambition, I think. It's the idea of, like, hey, what can this medium do? How can we tell a story in this medium that has themes and symbols that people can analyze and dissect in these ways? It, that that level of thinking going into the comics, it's the same thing that Moore, Gibbons, and Higgins are doing on Watchmen, is what makes this material, I think, kind of so eternal. Yeah. Um, is I mean, like transcendent. We didn't, yeah. Well, yeah, and it's like, you know, you don't get that in um, anything else except Secret Wars 2. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love this sentence on the Wikipedia page, which has a themes and symbolism section, which is like how sure. many comics from this time have that. Um, while the story is set during the Christmas season, it follows Easter themes almost exclusively. <laughs> Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay, so I mean, a part. Of, I mean, the, the probably one of the more obvious. Yeah, this would like, be a weird uh, best Christmas stories entry. <laughs> on, a, on a listicle. <laughs> um, actually, D- Daredevil: Born Again is a Christmas movie. Uh, he does get like, stabbed by a Santa. 
I can see no. an argument. Yeah, so he, this woman is his mother, right? It's found out here, right? Like the nun. We do yeah, get, we nun, do get there, which seems. I don't know if it's just like through cultural osmosis and the fact that I know this. Well, almost unimportant, but also just like the least surprising thing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just revealed with like little fanfare, and I'm kind of like, oh, okay, sure. I don't know. I didn't know you didn't know your mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess that, yeah. that wasn't that interesting or surprising to me. Um, but so Kingpin hires this guy named Nuke, who's this like super soldier that they bring in as an assassin. And it's like, well, oh, before we get to Nuke, before we get to Nuke, I just want to get to Nuke. I know it, you've been popping reds this whole time we've been talking. Ooh, I can yeah, see you're getting increasingly uh, like non-lucid nuked up uh, baby <laughs> before we talk nuke which is where the story really takes a turn i get you know it's like for me it's 220 what is it 227 to 231 is like the born again and then mm. 232 and 233 are like the nuke epilogue you know i i think is really the way i'd frame it even though it's the same creative team um and it really goes from individual dealing with personal trauma karen shows back up again in this time matt and her reconnect matt and they kind of rekindle their relationship as they're both you know absolutely in the pits of despair i mean Um, at the very the very end of this she does confess that she's the one so we only read four issues here we read 320 to 323 eh? i didn't read past no that's captain america you goofball Uh, (laughs) all right well i did i did read it then all right how much did you read of this that would be no i I read read the whole thing no, if I you read Daredevil that. 320 to 323, no, that'd be I hilarious. You'd be like in the part. in the early to mid 90s. No, I read it. I read it. Well, unless you, <laughs> I, I don't know how you could have possibly been talking about this. No, I was just looking at the wrong thing. I read the right story. one. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to to get to Daredevil 320 to 323, and you're gonna say, "Huh, this, this looks a lot like this. Born Again." <laughs> <laughs> I just incidentally stumbled across three issues from the 90s that like are similar in their plotting. <laughs> <laughs> there is all a 90s right, follow-up keep, actually sorry keep um, keep going what were you saying okay so what i was saying is daredevil and matt reconnect uh they're back and, and he's kind of helping her try to get sober again daredevil like said, and matt do reconnect yes they reconnect in a big way um and also with karen and he's trying to help her get sober again uh kind of as you know again like he battles back fights back against what the kingpin has done to him and over the course of a long you know and, and this is i think actually what miller does probably better than anything we've seen in Marvel so far, and it's going to be the template for so many stories to come, is it's the story where the character gets beat the heck down, and you think they're at the bottom, and then he beats them down another six feet. And then he beats them down another six feet after that, right? And it's basically just like, you just keep tearing the rug out from under this character, and you don't build them back up nearly as quickly as comic book stories have in the past. I think that's what Miller and Kelly do really really effectively on born again so obviously we're moving through it at a clip because that is the nature of this conversation um but i think of creators like rick remender coming into marvel in the late 2000s he he likes to do this a lot in his books as well and they're very popular for that for that reason you know it's it's interesting to me that we like these characters typically but the stories that tend to connect most with fans are a certain type of fan i suppose is the stories where they are beaten like and and lose in a way they never have before and then can come back from that yeah i mean i guess it depends on how much that like i i guess you know depends on if they're actually interested in telling that story or if it is just like a cheap way to build stakes right i guess it's all next for me because like i i have read stories like this that feel tiresome and feel kind of just like well this character wouldn't like go to those depths that quickly i don't know i, I feel like frank miller earns it here 
unlike yeah no it's it's a i guess that's actually an interesting point because it's maybe a tougher thing to pull off than than we realize you know in the execution um because if you if you show up in spider-man and the hobgoblin blows up his apartment and kills mj and two issues later he beats up the hobgoblin like there's a pretty good chance we're gonna be sitting there like what the <laughs> what the heck was this this is one of the worst spider-man stories i ever read like that didn't pay off at all um that that's not the case here in daredevil and uh to my knowledge there's no spider-man story like that so sorry to have pitched that out loud and now put it into the world where someone <laughs> we know a lot of marvel creators like to listen to us for ideas you know mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely yeah, yeah. that's definitely been happening i zach i'm sorry but i'm already seeing dare space devil being solicited by marvel and this we're not even streaming this so we definitely need to check our privacy settings um but yeah, yeah jason jason aaron has hacked my computer <laughs> jason uh, aaron. gosh he loves your dare space devil idea yeah. yeah all right so this ends with nuke let me get to nuke uh give him a red Kingpin brings in this like this kind of unhinged assassin uh who clearly i think they're trying to play him up as like an ex-vietnam vet who is like high on a bunch of random pills like and you wouldn't consider you know it's like the cia uses him to destabilize communist like communist countries uh so that they can overthrow them but like and you know, the idea that you would bring him onto american soil and use him here is like is you know wild but character kingpin decides to use that because i think he's getting desperate he's deeply he's deeply uh militaristic captain america i mean he he literally has like american flag painted on his face right yeah but like yeah 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 i mean he he's kind of the epitome of like all the worst impulses of you know like a, a i don't know like the cia and the military's impulses to like become the world's policemen right and like the kind of men that you would say yeah but but with zero nuance that. i mean i think saying the cia yeah. implies some level of intrigue <laughs> nuke no is no like this is, the, this is the guy that they would use right not you know he's not a cia like a uh, bureaucrat he's you know the the weapon that they would use to you know send into the um, and he's worried yeah. about our boys yeah um, so they put him in a Daredevil costume, pretty much for the symbolism of, you know, Matt Murdock fighting Daredevil at the end, right? Like, he needs yeah. to defeat Daredevil in order to, you know, like, rise. Which will get done better, again. I have to say. And Nesenti will do a, a similar thing really? better in her run. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. Uh, I just am a little, like, I guess I don't, I didn't see the end of this being like, oh, does he have to destroy Daredevil to become Matt again? I don't know. Like, that that felt like a little, I, I don't know, I didn't mm. see the connection here between, Doesn't like, really walk that line necessarily yeah. it's not really that yeah, yeah. kind of story right exactly it's not it's not a daredevil no more story i don't yeah think. yeah um but then uh you know a reconciliation with karen page where he helps her you know kick heroin she kind of like takes him and she confesses that she's the one who sold the information and he's just like you know i don't care i've you know found peace with what's happening to me you know i've moved beyond material possessions etc which is uh, a dope man without fear response yeah you know no, to be good. like cool you got my identity no prob i'm good yeah peace out yeah, kingpin yeah very good not as good as daredevil well hang on love hang on before before you do daredevil love and war I, I do have to call out in the nukes back. in the nuke sequence it's a big uh, story in I the nuke sequence um captain america and, and iron man show up like that's how much devastation nuke is causing and i that is actually the piece of this story that i think kind of loses me i think it probably excited me more the first time where I was like, oh, cool, we get some of the Avengers showing up, and, and Miller and Mazzucchelli do an interesting job incorporating them into the story. But it's a little weird. It's a little weird seeing Matt actually play with the Avengers. You know? I, I think it's interesting. That. I don't remember that at all. 
It's the last couple issues. Oh, which they, maybe I, speaks to like the fact that. Well, I, I think it speaks to the fact that you me. read 1993's Daredevil <laughs> Saga. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read it a couple weeks ago. So yeah, um, but I don't. I actually think that doesn't fit the Born Again Saga as well. Um, where it, it, they're good comics, but it's. Yeah, I think it peaks earlier when it's more insular. But okay, speaking of insular, let's talk the graphic novel written by Frank Miller, art by Bill Sienkiewicz, Daredevil, Love, and War. Zach, you've said this is your favorite thing ever. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's true. I, I guess, like, yeah. Lo- I, I, I'm not interested, I guess. I, I already said Daredevil is number one. You're not interested like, now? That is a big swing. <laughs> no, I'm not, like, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't think it's particularly interesting to be, like, here's my ranking, number one to number ten of, like, my favorites, right? I, I like, I have favorite. <laughs> I don't know, like, how do you that compare? That is such a direct like, personal attack. Yeah, I know it is. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you, you have you heard of comicherald.com where I rank yeah. everything always? Yeah, I know. I and you know, I'm like not totally opposed to it. I just like that idea. This is a joke. Like Zach hates rankings. It's like a joke in the Slack. But like, I don't know. Like, how do I compare Jim Starlin to what Frank Miller is doing here in Love and War? Right? It's well, like you, it's you pop totally... open an Excel and you put Starlin above Love and War because I gotta <laughs> you... tell you, it's better. Yeah, pretty um, easy. Pretty easy. Yeah, but... I mean, I can say which one I like more, but, like, it's better. I don't know. Zach, you like this book. Just, just own it. Yeah, just own I love it. it. I love it no very problem. much. No uh, um, I mean, I don't, I, I definitely no, don't I re- like Love I and War as twice, much as Born Again. I read it twice in two days, and the moment I finished reading it, I went and ordered a hardcover of this, which I don't Damn. do for most. I, I think the okay, only so what? I went and bought because of this club are Daredevil's, or Miller's Panther's Daredevil. Panther's Rage, right? This and Panther's Rage, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so what I, uh, I what did you love so much? What What was it specifically that... Uh, that made you really dig this book. So uh, I think you were talking a little earlier about like weaving in symbolism and yeah. you know like the, the the themes being integrated into like imagery. I think he is just doing. He is interested in t- telling he who because we got two big creators. Mi- Miller, Miller, yep. and I mean Sinkevitz art here is I think incredible. This is like peak Sinkevitz for me. Um, this is the best he's been, and I think like very clear to read. Uh, at least in my experience, I, I saw some people... So you think some... this art is better than his New Mutant stuff? I unplugged my headphones. I saw some people had some... Um... <laughs> Intentionally? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, all right, but before... <laughs> all right, before my question I, uh, was so offensive. Second, I'm going to... Uh, I'm gonna... Uh, give my opinion on Daredevil: Love and War, and let me. He's got play. his Unplugged soapbox so out, I can't, everybody. I can't he's hear unplugged. Your to it. <laughs> um, no, so yeah, some people said they had a hard time with his art, but like I, I kind of thought it was very readable here. Like almost the most readable he's been. Um, he felt totally in control of the page. Like I never was lost to what was happening in, in any Sinkevich way. Sinkevich is challenging at times. You know that that is part of the yeah, style. I, um, I, I mean, think this, Love and War is pretty. I, I, yeah, it's probably. I don't know if it's his most direct. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean like his, his moon, moon, his Moon Knight, like his earlier right. stuff, is way more. Yeah, but direct. that 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 feels like him still it's like d- cultivating his style. But this is yeah, the it's full, totally like, different. This is the Sinkevitz, you know, the uh, the experience, right? Yeah. Paired with like I think him in most control of guiding your eye exactly where it needs to go, and mm. it's wild. Like there, the artwork choices here are crazy. Kingpin is the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. Right? The like, Kingpin design yeah. that has since been immortalized in uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Except, like, here, yeah, here they don't make him quite so, um, like, geometric. He's not, like, big, sharp angles. He's just this big lump of, of a, a thing here. But Perpetually wearing with... a wallpaper vest. Oh, I love it. He's, like, he's integrating patterns here, right? Like, the photographed patterns of, like, wallpaper, both for the clothes and, like, the wallpaper have these different patterns. So I think it's just yeah. beautiful. Um, the aesthetic that he has here is just, like, everything that 2020 Vaporwave artists, like, want 
the 80s to be. There are some shots here where he's just using like pinks and blues and just that like whole aesthetic of just um yeah i guess that like vaporwave 80s idea that people have in their head like sinkevitz is just encapsulating that more than like i feel like most of the 80s actually did right like yeah most of the time i feel like that's just an interpretation of the 80s that i don't and i want to call see. out he is inking and coloring this book oh, yeah, so doing, those I are mean, tribute to how, him as well i don't know how you would not because i don't even i mean he's not doing like harsh line work here right like i think um, <laughs> Could you imagine having to be the inker <laughs> on one of his books? Oh my gosh, what a nightmare! Uh, yeah. yeah, no, you're right. It's a, it's an amazing, I mean, amazing looking book. Daredevil leaps at one point in this comic, and he's just one long tube of a man showing him yeah. like a, of an arc. <laughs> And they're just showing him leaping from space to space. Um, when he rescues that woman, there's those shots of the two of them in their, like, ballroom dancing through the sky. They're mm-hmm. just gorgeous. Which also integrates so well with the theme of he's putting down the experience of these characters on the page, but not in the written word. Which is just like, mm. what comics are doing this right now? except for this like because i i think i think some of the reason that i've seen some people bounce off of this and i don't want to sound condescending but i feel like maybe some people kind of miss the subtext of this and if you miss the subtext they weren't smart enough you can say it yeah no i don't i like totally fair right like i'm sure i I don't know there are a million comics i have read and i've been like and people praise these comics up and down and i'm sure it's because like that i don't understand right like i feel like uh oh pretty deadly that's a good example lately, which I'm just like, beautiful book. People adore that book. And I'm just like, I don't get what's happening. Something <laughs> th- th- something is happening thematically here that is making this book important and good that I do not understand. And sure. I, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm not not trying to throw shade at anybody but i think there is a core psychological conceit that he is like exploring here it is out of canon like i think what is happening here is explicitly out of canon the way that like kingpin technically wife, it's not the way the kingpin's wife leaves here at the end i don't know does that have re- like i on her wikipedia page this is not even mentioned everything that happens to uh what, what's her name um vanessa vanessa fisk everything that happens vanessa. to vanessa fisk is not on the like marvel fandom wiki page so i kind of just assumed that it was not important oh, it's not on the like, fandom wiki well Did i don't it know. even I mean, they at least have yeah um but i think he is exploring one idea here and that is the male possession or the idea of like male ownership and possession of women sure here. and i think if you don't see that you might kind of say like okay well what was the point of that right like yes because which is a big it, i think uh critical takeaway of this work is, because it okay, just what ends was the point of this? If, if you're reading this just as plot the story just kind of ends and it feels rushed in a way if you don't kind of get what it's doing mm-hmm. it feels just kind of like oh and it just is over and there was no big bang to it right so what what happens is that kingpin's wife vanessa fisk is sick in bed and kingpin is like is mourning her and you get this like genuine idea that he is you know like he is in love with her he cares deeply about her and he wants to bring her back to health um yeah. And to achieve that, he sicks one of his, like, enforcers. Um, I don't even know if the guy's name gets mentioned here. I think so. He's but, a particularly um, depraved and increasingly out of touch with reality. Enforcer. And I don't know if that's clear, like, if it's meant... Because I think some people... I, I have seen that some people have reacted poorly to this in that it is, like, a dehumanizing um characterization of mental illness uh i don't Mm. know if that's the case i feel like it is unclear whether or not this man victor is you know if this is mental illness if this is he's i mean he definitely relies on pills here um i think i have to say that criticism specifically i don't necessarily feel equipped to counter it but i will say that probably applies to the entirety 
Like, look at Batman's Universe Gallery. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah. what I look said. At I was like, if you villain. really, if you take the, yeah, I, I agree. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, use this person as a punching bag too much. But, like, I think that is so name far em. removed. Name them by name the... <laughs> and let's throw some dukes. This is so far removed from the point of this comic, right? And it's not playing in those waters really much at all, I don't think. And I Well, think we, just... we do get a lot of POV from this, uh, you know, he's intended to be the quote-unquote psychopath in yes, the story. Yes, th- but I think he is, I think Miller is u- using him to prop up as the, like, extreme example of this man who, uh, of this idea of, like, owning, right? Like, the, you possess women and the idea that men have of, like, of the women in their lives. So let, okay. let, me, let me just go over the plot. Before. So Kingpin six this guy victor he kidnaps this woman who's the wife of a doctor this um, psychologist and basically tells the psychologist like your wife will be fine if you cure vanessa you know and he just like yeah yeah daredevil goes to rescue this woman from victor um he does so then he goes he leaves her at his apartment he goes to um kingpin's tower he like kind of fights his way to the top he goes to rescue this doctor from uh from kingpin when he gets there nobody's there and he leaves. Uh, he le- nobody's there except for the doctor and Vanessa. Um, so I, I, I think really Miller is focused on three three characters here. There are three men, and it is equally trying to show that they all have this perverted. You could twisted... throw the doctor in here too and make it four. I would say. Yeah, I guess so. Because I, I, he kind of steals Vanessa from Big Willie. Yeah, it's kind I guess of another so. layer I... of ownership. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I didn't good, feel. I that think you mean strong, good point, but... Dave. Enthusiastically. Yeah, great. Hell yeah, Dave. Hell yeah, Dave. <laughs> um, <laughs> so these men, right? Like they are all, you know, like <sighs> Daredevil. <laughs> these men, Just, I tell you, all villains, right? That's that's the idea. Like Kingpin, Victor, and Daredevil are all. I mean, it's like, not a big they, Matty they, showcase. I don't come away thinking Matt's a Matt's a d bag here. Oh, I do. I think Daredevil is clearly like he is living in just as much of a fantasy world in this comic by rescuing this woman. Like it literally cuts into this fantasy scene of them floating through the sky, dancing together, and he's yeah. just like her breast pressed against me. You know, like her heart quickens, but she, you know, I feel her hands dig into my back. I know she knows she's safe now, and he has this like entire idea, the savior complex, mm. where he is this like white knight for her and it's this romantic idea and it's like he, he like he feels like this woman is cle- like he has this idea of who this woman is and what her response to him is yeah um and what it has to be and i think that is still just another way of like you know like these women are just objects to them like her reaction is not important it is like it is all about this narrative he has in his head about the damsel that he's rescuing which so you're doing Miller's- a you're doing a really interesting thing where you are removing frank miller's treatment of the women in his stories and you're placing those attitudes on the men as if that is like so i think one criticism of miller broadly and also specifically in this comic is like the women are plot points the women do not frequently have agency um you're doing an interesting thing where you're saying that's actually the point of this book. I think that is the point. I think that's strongly yeah. the point here. I yeah. mean, she, she Which does is almost like agency. have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I don't, I haven't read his later stuff recently enough, but like Sin City, I'm almost positive. Like I have big problems with the way he like veers. He, it there. gets, so like, it gets worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't get better. Yeah. I don't I have any real criticism here because I think like one, I don't think it's about, it, it is not about the woman's perspective here. It is about the danger of men's psychology here, right? Like the idea of how these men view the women in their lives. And that that's what he's viewing. And you know, you can yeah. criticize it for that, but I don't think every, I think it's fine to have a comic about like, you know, about men. Um, I think it's more in the context of all of his yeah. other work that that type sure. of criticism yeah, yeah, gets yeah. 
gets uh it gets its foundation because it's like yeah. yeah that'd be great but that's literally what he does all the time <laughs> as well yeah. um maybe yeah, not I mean, all the maybe, time. maybe i'm overextending but. i mean maybe this is just something he you know understands and can relate to more and that's why he can write it you know more oh with, with i have more no nuance, doubt. yeah right? i mean i i don't know i think there's something to like if you are trying to write something deeply rooted in like a psychology that you might not understand, then don't, right? Like if he's if he is incapable of trying to write something like truly from a female perspective that has this level of nuance, then it's like, I guess I would rather him not write Sin City, but uh, I'd rather him not try. Have you read Sin know, City? Even, uh, like bits and pieces. I mean, I'm I mean, I, with I don't know that I hate Sin City like with yeah. a... Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a while. I just remember my my teenage impression. Anyway, let me. So Victor Victor's clearly the blatant like he has this Madonna whore complex, right? Where he's like viewing this woman as like he is her knight, <laughs> she's his queen. But even though he kidnapped her, and he's, he's too good to her. he's too good to touch her. He's too good to defile her, right? Sort right. Of. Like he he views her. He's just like oh she's so pure, she's so innocent. And then like he has a dirty thought and it's like about her, and then he's just like no disgust disgusting how could she do that like he he starts like pushing this onto her he blames and i her. think he's yeah clearly like viewed as the villain like the the really extreme example so i think that's interesting because i don't think daredevil gets a pass here because later like daredevil i think it's doing a milder version of the same idea mm. um and i do think this woman gets some agency because she <laughs> she literally is the like damsel in distress who needs to free herself daredevil leaves her in his apartment and victor comes and attacks her and she needs she kills this man with a, a yeah. hot poker um yeah. in that like amazing splash page of him it's so hot like in his head riding away with a riding away as her knight right like he has this like fantasy in his head great okay so the i think the like killer and i hate using this word but the subversive thing that he's doing here i think just using like this comic subversive is overused but i think i think think we have a subversive podcast oh totally i think the really (laughs) subversive choice here is that kingpin is the hero of the story and this ends with a genuinely selfless like loving act by kingpin who ends who starts out this thing own like he basically you know he's talking about like you know he's taking care of vanessa and you can see he cares for her but he also talks about how she was brought to him right like as a prostitute like a young girl and he was having women brought to him by his you know his underling and he was like oh you were you know young and afraid and i was the only one who saw the purity in you and i saw the specialness of your soul whatever yeah and you like believe that it's true like his feelings towards her are like genuine and he realizes uh halfway through this that this doctor this doctor has gotten through to her and she wants to escape she spells out with building blocks i think the word escape right Uh uh-huh and like and you can see that like kingpin is furious about this right like this is so upsetting to him the comic ends that daredevil shows up ready for a fight and kingpin has called off all his men emptied out the building and allows them to walk out of the building and take vanessa to like go start a new life which is like genuinely he is letting go of her he's removing his possession of her he is like freeing her from him and his like ideas of what it means to to love her because she does not want it back and i think he is the only one here who (laughs) makes a choice that is like genuinely you know like selfless and heroic it's wild okay i think that is like yeah such i mean that that i i think if you don't get that ending i see why this comic falls flat like or maybe if you don't get it but if that is like not how this reads to you rather that might be a better way of putting it i, not I how appreciate re- the impassioned defense yeah i, I just don't War. see how you don't I don't know. I don't, I don't see how that doesn't, like, come across clearly, right? Like, that, that is how the comic explicitly ends, is that, like, Kingpin frees Vanessa. He, like, yeah. lets her go. And 
she you know he like he gives her the money and to start a new identity even uh with this doctor and his wife and they like leave the country and it ends with that like daredevil does not save her kingpin just lets her go um yeah i don't know i think it's i think excellent work like i'm i'm so impressed by something that has the like the confidence to let that sit on the page without spelling it out without a caption being like kingpin truly was the hero of the day you know or something like that like <laughs> i mean he's not that heroic even i mean in, i, I in hear what you're saying but he's still story, vanessa is which, still the only person because of his feelings that he would ever do anything like that for and the thing he's doing is freeing her from a prison that he installed right yeah i know i mean but like you I, i'm taking it's not this heroic purely in the it is context it is momentum of, i right i'm taking this purely in the context of this novel right this graphic novel right like i think you know if you want to start bringing in like because i mean then we move to born again where kingpin is clearly like a horrifying nasty villain again right but i think like in the context of what this comic is interested in talking about and it is solely interested in really one thing and that's it right all, all this comic is interested in talking about is the idea of like the, how men view women um and in that context i think it just sings okay really, i dig really it because i think i think a lot of daredevil readers might pick up a graphic novel like this and be like where was the daredevil <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, i would it's I definitely hand, got some yeah it's, it's barely a daredevil comic i mean i i wouldn't hand this to somebody if i wanted to get them into Daredevil. probably I, a I, kingpin I, love and war title I get, would be more accurate i get why this did not take off like batman year one or dark knight returns <laughs> it's impossible to imagine it having that kind of standing yeah but i think it's only because of that because this does not feel like some kind of big plot like the plot here is super bare bones right this plot is very minimal yeah um, right yeah I, I will say if i had one critique it is there's one scene here where victor breaks into daredevil's office and kills a cleaning lady okay um and i just think that's like a slightly unnecessary bit of nastiness and like you know what is it a little ultra violence that uh was not particularly necessary to the overall story um and it is the only little bit of just like oh okay this is like the the grim and gritty like you know ultra violence that uh people critique this this sure. era and for sure and that's really all it. right Besides i love that, it yeah. i love it i don't love daredevil love and war nearly as much as you but i enjoyed yeah. you defining it that way um oh, here's what we're gonna do here's this. what we're gonna do we we had a long good conversation around born again and love and war we're gonna move the captain america issues to part five and we're going to talk yeah, about yeah, it's Cap good, yeah, with Electro Assassin. We'll have yeah. plenty of space to do it there. Uh, Electro Assassin is going to be a really interesting follow-up on the Love and War conversation, I think specifically, because it's doing similarly chaotic uh, things with narrative, except and then some. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting. Now, Electro Assassin is eight issues. It was released as an epic prestige format series when it came out, and it is not on Marvel Unlimited, okay? Yeah, the I think... I think it's a combination of things. I don't know if it's specific to Epic. It might be. Uh, but also, it's, like, mature. You know, it's it's definitely... Like, literally, it's got the M rating kind of thing. So I, I don't think they put those books on Marvel Unlimited because then their yeah, app would have don't. to be defined differently. So, long story short, it's Which not available wild, the way like, we normally... Old Man Logan is on there, right? And that comic's ultra-violent. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. But it's it, so yeah, weird. I mean, it's different, I it's, it's basically, like... This one talks about sex, though, Zach. I don't know if right yeah do they, oh well it was funny because like i think at one point in love and war someone says so i don't have to bleep it out the s word and it does have there's a moment of like oh interesting I haven't seen yeah that in Marvel. it's true <laughs> you don't see it right now um but anyway electro assassin i would recommend uh finding it i think it's it's definitely available collected editions i think you it's can, probably on comiXology so you can buy uh, if you like love and war or if i have like convinced you to read <laughs> love and war um I bought a collected edition, uh, oh, I guess it's, I thought it was a little cheaper, um, 
forty bucks. No, tell us, uh, tell us how much moolah you're throwing around. Thirty, thirty-two dollars. Marvelous money it's, bags. It's both the uh, the Daredevil Love and War and the Electra issues in like an oversized edition, like this really big, beautiful hardcover edition. So um, that's somewhere you. Can you're a beautiful it. hardcover edition. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I recommend checking it out. It's worth the read. Um, but again, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about those Captain America issues three twenty to three twenty-three. That'll be coming up in part five. Somehow I'm even Dave. better than Daredevil Love and War. The Cap. Or the yeah, Electra no, stuff? No, I'm just the the Captain America. Yeah, uh, a yeah, little teaser uh, for the Captain America stuff. It kicks off. Uh, I'm gonna say the most interesting era of Captain America, definitely since the good House of the Skull stuff that we read, written by J.M. Dematis. Yeah, it's okay. I, I liked it. I, I, maybe I don't. Have, well, That's I don't know if I have the, the same recommendation from Zach. It's okay, yeah, I comma. I liked it. Yeah, Hashtag okay. I like Zach it. says. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So put that on the back of the book. Definitely. That's coming up in part five. Uh, you can find more about the show at patreon.com slash year. Uh, issues for all the comics that we read and are coming up are in the show notes. I'm Dave. You can find me at comicbookherald.com. He's Zach. You can find him at my marvelous year on social things and uh music for the show is by disaster piece thanks oh, everybody we, for listening we didn't plug patreon even one time this whole episode you know I, I think it probably once a quarter that we should really just record an ad and just slice ads in god you know no, but be, for ourselves i mean that's people a... love ads i think one thing i've learned in marketing is one people love ads Two, people love ads and people love hearing the same exact wording in their ads over and over again <laughs> love it when they never episode. rotate because they only did one <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh so get ready for that get excited for that let's uh, yeah please it. thanks please patreon us if you want there there we go let's please patreon us if you want annoying ads yeah. <laughs> we actually add ads to our patreon exclusive feed uh so if you want unheard ads you can't find anywhere else you can subscribe at patreon.com slash my marvelous year otherwise uh we will see you next year see you next year mm-hmm.